Before we're finishing up the offering, let me tell you about some of the things that your gifts do. For 15 years, we've been working to get a deaf Bible, the Bible for the deaf in their own language. As of today, there are 768 Bible stories in American Sign Language in the DEFCO Bible that you can download for your apps. There are 238 Bible stories in Chinese. There are 75 Bible stories in Thailand. There are 40 Bible studies, uh, 40, 40 Bible stories in, Mexic in uh, Spanish, Mexican Sign Language. By the end of the month, we will add the following. We will add 100 Bible stories in Chet. We will add 100 Bible stories for Indonesia, 80 Bible stories for Hungary, 40 Bible stories for Romania, 150 Bible stories for Russia, 40 Bible stories for Poland, 7 Bible stories in Senegal, 7 Bible stories in Burkina Faso, for Sion, seven Bible stories for Turkey, and seven Bible stories in Egyptian. Sign language, right here. We are part of the Bible translation with the Deaf Go Bible team, is taking the Bible uh, to the deaf literally around the world, and, and you make that happen. So it's amazing all that goes on here, even when it, some days it doesn't look like all that much is happening. Uh, but you're part of that, and that's, that, you need to celebrate that and feel good about uh, the impact that this church is having, not only locally, but, but around the world. Have you ever gone to work or started your day and forgot your watch? You have, haven't you? It's an awful day, isn't it? You're, you don't know if you're late. You don't know if you're early. You don't know if you're staying too long. You don't know if you should have left. You don't know. And you're constantly looking at your naked wrist, which even looks more goofy when you look and realize, oh, I don't have my watch. So you have to deal with this all day long. You have to look at your wrist and go, oh, yeah, I forgot my watch. Then feel bad about forgetting your watch. And then think about how it's messed up your entire day. And you do this countless times during the day. It is awful, isn't it? when you do not know what time it is. There are a lot of us here that do not know what time it is. And it's not because we forgot our watch. Stand with me now in honor of God's word. Open it to a very familiar passage in Ecclesiastes. Part of the wisdom books of the Bible, chapter 3. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace, a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count it as lost. A time to keep 
and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. What does the worker gain from all of his struggles? I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He's also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work that God has done from beginning to end. There is an occasion for everything, a time for every activity under heaven. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Help us, Lord Jesus, know what time it is for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes is part of the wisdom section. The Old Testament is broken up into a couple of sections. There are the historical books, uh, there are the books of the law, there are the prophets, both major prophets and minor prophets. Uh, do you know how the major prophets are distinguished from the minor prophets? The size of the book has nothing to do with the, uh, the status of the prophet who wrote it or or, or the, the depth of the message is just how long they wrote. And if you wrote a long one, then you're in the major prophets. Short one, minor prophets. Probably if some of the minor prophets had known that, they would have written more. <laughs> and then there is the wisdom section. This section includes Proverbs, the Psalms, uh, the Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, as you wish, and Ecclesiastes. Job is also part of this. Now, some of you have been trying to read the Bible through, and you do pretty well with Genesis and Exodus. Leviticus bogs you down, and if you get through Leviticus, the numbers just eat you up. But if you get through all of that and you get to Ecclesiastes, then you're depressed for days. Uh, Ecclesiastes is the first postmodern writer we have ever had. And everybody says, well, this is a new thing. It's nothing new. You have to understand that Ecclesiastes is probably one of the last books of the Old Testament to be written. After everything the nation of Israel had been through, now the writer Koheleth, the teacher, he writes. And what he writes is that everything is vanity. There is nothing new under the sun. What use does it, uh, is it to work all your life and make all of this money only to die and have your children spend it? Ecclesiastes. So if you're in the wrong state of mind, Ecclesiastes can bog you down. Don't read it in January. Okay, I'm just telling you, just, just don't. It is a tough book to get through. But it is in the wisdom section of Scripture for a reason. There is something Koheleth understands about life and how life is to be lived 
that we are still dealing with, that we're still trying to understand. And one of the things that he tells us in chapter 3 is there is a time for everything. Now, you're thinking there is chronos for everything. And you're thinking about all of this time management stuff that we have, all of the software, all of the books that help you plan your day so that you can get everything in your day, right? That's not what he's saying. He didn't say there was time for everything. He said there is a time for everything. There's a difference. A lot of us are driving ourselves nuts trying to get 36 hours worth of day in the 24 hours that we have. Kohaleth is going, you need to know what time it is. And the word is not chronos. Chronos is the Greek word for time that has to do with chronology, hours, times, minutes. Kairos is the other word for time, which means the right season, the right moment. There is a right moment for everything under heaven. There is a right moment to love. There is a right moment to hate. And one of the things that you and I have to know is what time it is for us. You have seasons in your life. These seasons do not necessarily correlate uh, or, 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 or correspond to the seasons of nature. Just because we are in autumn you know, our 36 hours of fall, this is, you know, <laughs> doesn't mean it's autumn for you. But God has created each of the seasons, and each of the seasons has an important role in our life. Spring is the time when we start new things. It's the time for planting. It's the time for pre preparation of soil. It's the time for pre preparing, uh, for planting new seeds and beginning new things. Summer is the time when you take what you have planted and you work it into uh, fruition. You work it into success and you work toward the harvest, which is autumn. And you reap what you have planted and you bring in uh, what you have sowed. You celebrate what your work has brought to you. You celebrate your bounty. And then there's winter. Winter is a time when the soil prepares for spring. It is a time when things die back. It is a time when the soil rests. It is a time for recovery. It is a time where not much happens on the outside but where a lot happens on the inside. It's where the roots of the plant grow deep. It's where the soil is replenished from the dying and decaying stuff, uh, from all that has grown before it dies and decays and puts the nutrients back in the soil. We live in a culture that says you have to be growing all the time that it has to be springtime for you 
all of the time. And do you know, we have a word for things that are growing all of the time. You know what that word is? Cancer. You're not supposed to be productive all the time. You're not created to be in spring or summer all year around. There is a time for winter, and winter does some important work. There is a time for grief. There's a time to let go. There's a time to be still. The worst thing in the world you can do is plant when it is winter. Nothing will happen. And most of us are scared to death of winter. Most of us are snowbirds of our soul. We have friends, right? Who the first time it turns a little chilly, they're off to Florida. And they'll send us postcards about how beautiful the weather is in December. And we'll see them again in spring. Some of you are trying to do the same thing to your soul when it comes time for winter, when it comes time for grief, when it comes time to let go. You want a snowbird. You want to go somewhere else for a little while. You want to avoid this hard thing uh, of, of letting go. And it's just not letting go of grief. You know, sometimes you have to let go of good things too, right? <laughs> All right, you know the guy, right, who was Mr. BMOC in high school. Big man on campus, right? He had all the trophies. He got all the rewards. And he graduates high school. And what happens? He doesn't know what to do. He spends the rest of his life celebrating who he was in high school. He goes to college, but he never quite gets there because he's always telling you about what he did in high school. He gets married, but he never quite gets there because he's always telling her who he was in high school. Never comes to the point of his life where he can let go of who he was in high school. It was a great moment. There was a lot of good things happening. But you can't take the future that God is opening for you by holding on to the past, even if it is a great past. And there's grief. You're hurt. And it's winter. Someone dies. And it's winter. It's okay. Winter does some important work. Let winter do its work. Don't be afraid of the grief. Don't be afraid of the sadness. Remember the promise. Psalm 23. Though I walk, how? Around the valley of death? Over the valley? How do you get through the valley? Through it. 
You know why? It took me a long time to understand this. And I've told you this before. I always want to pray for something. Lord, help me with this. And I want God to grab me and throw me on the other side of the problem. Then I want to look back and say, thank you, Jesus. That was close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now I have learned to be real careful to what I pray I want Jesus to help me with. Because Jesus will take you right through the mess. Okay, now if you're saying, help me because I've got a, I've got a, I'm, I'm struggling with my relationship with this guy. I really don't like him, so help me. I guarantee you, every time I pump gas, he's going to be at the next pump. I guarantee you. Okay, you walk through it. You know why? It took me a long time to get this. Here's why. Because Jesus will take you and say, we're going to face this. You're going to go through it. And when you get through it, you don't have to be afraid of it anymore. You get that? If he throws you over it, if you sneak by it, then you're always afraid that it's going to come up and catch you somewhere later. This you say, no, no, I've been through that. We dealt with that. I'm moving on to new things. You walk through winter. And you let things go. You let grief go. Now, I, I'm not saying that you don't ever think about the loss or that you never celebrate the person. <laughs> my dad, as you know, was a huge impact in my family. He was a larger-than-life figure. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was visiting one of my sons, and we were sitting there, and we started telling Big John stories. And he and I were in the floor holding our stomachs laughing, doing our impressions of my father and the things that my father had told us. Things like, my father said, I've never made a wrong decision. I've made decisions that required other decisions. But I've always ended up where I wanted to be, so it wasn't wrong, was it? That's my dad. Some of the other things he taught me I can't repeat in church, but... <laughs> no, I remember. But I don't let the grief freeze me. Some of you have been hurt. And if we knew how much you had been hurt, we'd be amazed at how strong you are to walk. But now the hurt defines you. Now you, you're in a place where I can't do what I want to do because I've been hurt. The victimhood is what you hold on to. And winter is the time when you let it go. Not that you walk away and act like it never happened. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you do not let what somebody else did to you define who you are now. I, I, and I know you're thinking, yeah, Mike, I, I know in the end Jesus will make everything right. All right. Remember when Lazarus died and Jesus finally shows up a couple of days later 
and, and Martha runs out to him, and she's mad. We sent word. And he said, your brother will live again. And she says, yes, I know. When the Messiah comes again, everybody will be raised from the dead. I know that. And Jesus answered, I am the resurrection. You do know, right, that yes, we look forward to the time Jesus will return. Yes, we celebrate Easter, the time he was raised from the dead. Yes, but do you know that's not the only resurrection? There are lots of little resurrections, little down payments for what we hope for, right? There's raising Lazarus from the dead. Hint, hint, one day everybody will be raised from the dead. Uh, there is the resurrection of Peter's career. Peter had lost it, lost everything. And Jesus found him. Do you still love me, Peter? You know I do. Feed my sheep. Resurrection. John Wesley had failed as a missionary. Did you know that? He was a missionary in Georgia. Left there thinking no one could ever be one to Christ in Georgia. It was on the ship returning to England where he writes in his journal that his heart was strangely warmed. And the Wesley movement started in John Wesley resurrection. Why do we have such a hard time letting go? because we don't believe Jesus can do anything better. Either you're sitting here holding what you have, thinking life can never get better. And so you squeeze it, you hold on to it till it becomes something that retards you, that holds you back. It becomes something that limits you. Why? Because I don't want to lose what I have right now in this moment. Uh, recently, in the last couple of weeks, a lot of my friends have sent their last child off to college, right? And they're empty nesters. And they'll look at me and I'll pull the guy over to the side and I go, it's wonderful. You cry for about three days, then there's milk in the refrigerator, there's gas in your car. It's wonderful. <laughs> and you're sitting at home with your boys and your children, you love them, it can't get any better than this. Oh, yes, it can. <laughs> as good as you have it, Do you know that Christ is holding something better for you? And as bad as you hurt, do you understand that Christ is holding 
something better for you. In his very first sermon, Mark chapter 1, Jesus comes preaching. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. The time that Kairos has been fulfilled. kingdom of God is near. The Kairos has come for you. The kingdom of God is near. When, uh, when I was doing Kairos several years ago, uh, one of the things we realized is that no one had ever taught uh, these young adults to pray. And so we did several things to teach them how to pray and, and to get used to the simple act of praying. And we taught them the prayer of the hands. Here's the prayer of the hands. You start the prayer with your hands down. This is where you release. Okay? Uh, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of the hurt. I'm going to let go of my failure. I'm going to let go of my past. I'm going to let go. And you keep your hands over and you keep shaking them as long as you need to let go. And when you have let go, you turn your hands over. And you receive. I'm going to receive his grace. I'm going to receive his forgiveness. I'm going to receive his love. You can't receive what Christ wants to give you if your hands are still full of yesterday. So today's prayer is learning to let go. So you, in time, can open your hands to the resurrection that Christ wants to give you. It's not that hard. You want to practice? Okay, here it is. Prayer of the hands. Stick your hands out. Now just think of one thing you want to let go. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being hurt. I'm tired of being afraid. Let it go. Now turn your hands upward to receive his grace, to receive his forgiveness. It's just a very simple thing that helps your prayer focus. I'm letting go. I'm receiving. I'm letting go. The time is at hand. The time has been fulfilled. It's Kairos. I pray with all I am that today you'll know what time it is for you. Let's pray together.
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not going to do anything to put you on the spot or embarrass you. I, I don't want to do that. But I do want you to spend a little time looking at yourself and figuring out what time it is for you. For some of you, it is winter, and that's okay. Let winter do its work. Grieve what you need to grieve. Celebrate what you need to celebrate. But let winter do its work and let go because Jesus has more for you. Maybe it's spring, a time to plant. Maybe it's summer, a time to work the fields. Maybe it is autumn and a time for harvest. I pray you know what time it is for you, but I pray you will hear the message of Jesus that the kingdom of God is at hand. And there's a moment now for you to respond. Perhaps it's as simple as becoming part of Brentwood Baptist Church, you come. We'd love to have you get that process started. For some of you, you just need someone to pray with you. That's all right. Life gets us all. You come. Or maybe. With all you've been through and all the miles you've traveled, you've realized that this is the time for Jesus to be your Savior. And you don't know all that that means. That's okay. That's why our ministers are standing back to it next to a table that says next steps. They want to pick up this conversation where I'm leaving it off because I'm just saying a whole lot in just a few words. And I know you want to spend more time thinking about it and asking your questions. And they're to help you as long as you want to talk. So you can leave here knowing that the time of resurrection has come for you. However the Lord is leading you, he's waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open, every heart. So we pray the choices we make now are exactly what you want.